and welcome back to Turf Talk. My name is Lewis Tomlinson and it is Betfair Chase weekend, first grade one. Long distance chase in Britain of the season. Absolute belter as well, a proper rematch between Bristol and May and a horse uh, none of us have ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> joining me today as of course is the big man James Watson, how are you doing mate? Hello, doing fantastic and looking forward to, to this weekend. And the racing post, Matt Rennie. Big moves for the boys. Get up, Matt. Allery. And a star, star transfer, wasn't it? From the from the free, from the free market and the market of the freelance era. <laughs> How you doing, boys? Glad to be back on, and really looking forward to this week's race. It's going up another notch in it. The jumps again. Yeah, oh, it's, it's it's in full in the swing now. Fully in the swing. Before we get into talking about any racing, we have big news. A bit of a competition. James Watson, please explain. So, the owner of Lost in Translation, Paul Taylor, has very kindly uh, offered a prize to give away on this podcast, and it is for a signed print of Lost in Translation, uh, signed by Robbie Power and Colin Tizard themselves. It's of the horse jumping a fence on the back straight at Haydock last season when going on to win the race. And to win this prize... Uh, you've simply got to follow Turf Talk Pod on Twitter and name this yearling filly that we will put some details out uh, in uh, a tweet and she will be going in training with Jim Boyle next season on the flat and hopefully we can get some good creative names. Me and Lewis uh, will pick the top three names that we like the most to pitch to the, to pitch to the owners. We'll see what he says and who, whichever one he picks out of them will be the winner of the signed print. Yeah, uh, we say it's absolutely mad. So Paul Taylor wants, wants the Turf Talk listeners to name a horse. Now, obviously, Bash Crandicoot. We, we, we do have the opportunity. That really has to run in Turf Talk colours, though, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we don't want nothing to silly. It. We want a good, nice name. We don't want nothing daft. Nothing. Stupid. Are you sure? No, we want a proper sound. Well, I, I don't. We hate dodgy names of horses and dodgy names of races. We well, want that, my thinking was, given that I'm both of us, Jim, growing up having supported Halifax Town, leads to a quite miserable, unhappy demeanour in most aspects of life. So I thought maybe if I had to cheer for something that I didn't like, it'd it'd turn me into a happier, more positive man. You know, so my, my suggestion for the name is that the two things that wind me up most about racing are horses being called Galileo when they're not by Galileo <laughs> and, and Ballymore sponsoring every race with the same name. So my suggestion for the name of the filly is Galileo Ballymore. <laughs> That's pathetic. And then maybe, maybe when, I'm, when I have to cheer for Galileo Ballymore, maybe I'll start seeing the world in a more positive light. I'm using it as a form of... Fair enough. Uh, Matt, any ideas for names? Well, given given the entries this weekend and the wonderful entries that signal the jump season is back, surely we could call it So Little Runners. Superb. If we're going down that theme, you've got to throw in a horse called Per Tom's Network as well, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> in the, the Cardiff Market Racing this week, they've probably got one coming up at Warwick in January. 
but, but, but then she'd only ever finish sixth, Matt. Pardon? Then she'd only ever finish sixth. <laughs> yeah, but at least then you know you could qualify to go to Cheltenham and have a great day out. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we, we will have the full page of the filly up on, up on our Twitter, as, long as, as well as a little photo of her. Uh, she's by Profitable, out of Ventura Falcon. Uh, so bear them names in mind. Uh, mad thanks to Paul Taylor for uh, getting involved with this. And, <laughs> and uh, I, 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 hope, I hope we do you justice <laughs> uh, with, with a good name for the filly. We've got faith in the listeners, haven't we, Jim? Yeah, and hopefully... Uh, she can be as good as lost in translation is on uh, over jumps as she is on the flat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the world's a bit mental at the minute, isn't it? That that this is happening. Uh, hey, Doc Park, though, mate. Maybe we'll start with a big one. We'll start with a bet fair. And we're recording this uh, Thursday morning, so decks have just come in, and the bet best price is eleven to eight lost in translation. 15 to 8 Bristol to my, 100 to 30 Clanders or Bob, 33 to 1 Belsil and 33 to 1 Keeper Hill. Matt, I'll come to you first, mate. Just torture a little bit longer. Uh, I mean, we know what James is going to say. I agree with him. Uh, is it going to be a hat trick of loss in translations? Yes, on, on, all, on all form, yes. But the price is, I wouldn't be willing to, to back him. Um, the only reason I could possibly think that Bristol Demay could out-battle him is that this is going to be the day that Nigel Twiston-Davies has probably got him peaked for the season, given he's going for, obviously, his third and, and joining the likes of Q-Card and, and Corto Star as the ones of winning the Betfair chase three or more times. Whereas, with Lost in Translation, it's all about one day in March, isn't it, now, given the absolutely barnstorming run he, he did it in in the Gold Cup in March. So, Bristol Demay, I'm a bit surprised he hasn't had a, a prep run, but he, he's not shown the need to have one before. Obviously, his visually, his, his best performance in the Betfair chase came after winning the Charlie Hall a couple of seasons ago, but then he was equally as good on, on ratings when he, when he beat that really smart field for his second win. So, that's my only thought, is that Bristol Demay will be fully wound up for this one, whereas Lost in Translation has higher aspirations along the season. And that's not to say the Betfair Chase is not a prestigious race. Of course it is. He won it last year. But I suspect the Tizards and Power want him fully tuned up for the Gold Cup rather than this. So that's why I'll be taking him on. Uh, Clanders Oboe, on all evidence, needs a prep run. All roads point towards the King George and, and trying to win his third in a row there. So best avoidable on, on, on that evidence. And it's interesting to see Twiston Davies is jocked up there. So... It looks like I think Twiston Davis will keep the ride in the King George, which is a nice area of loyalty if Nichols goes down that that way, given that Twiston isn't number one jockey there anymore. And Kieber Hill and Bells Hill, very little chance on, on form. Might be a nice prep run for Bells Hill for that premier chase at Kelso later on in the season. Yeah, now in the care of Sandy Tom. Uh, Jim, I mean, from a analysis point of view, do you agree with Matt that the is could bigger things be a mindful loss this season and might he not quite be as ready to rumble than Bristol? Oh, um, there is a possibility of that, but I am fairly confident that even an eighty percent loss in translation could probably beat a hundred percent Bristol demise. Um, I'm 
it's nothing against Bristol, and I know this is his playground almost, but last season he just showed that he was just beginning to slightly regress a bit, and it's going to have to have taken a, a fair training performance by Nigel Twiston-Davis to, to bring him back to, to peak uh, Bristol when he won the race in 2018. Um, he, go, he does go very well fresh. That is, that is the main key. Um, and it, it's one of the first times he's come to this race fresh. Uh, and we've seen what he's done in previous years. Um, he is getting no younger and he is exposed against, against Lost. And I know that, there's all, the, that Lost um, is only a year younger uh, than him. But he has had a lot less runs than him. Um, apparently, he's took two racecross gallops to get fit. He's tightened up well. He's powered through the soft ground that he did on a racehorse gallop at Chepstow, uh, which was a question mark. Um, does he want softish ground? Um, apparently, he's in fine fettle, and hopefully he can make uh, a, a double Betfair Chase win, kick on for the King George, win everything, and finish the season as the best horse in the world. Big call there, mate. I mean... If it ends up bottomless, would, would that be another tick in Bristol's box? Um, it'd certainly be favourable for him, but I don't, I don't certainly think it'd be unfavourable for Loss. Um, a lot of his form, he's on good to soft and soft. And we saw last season, I, I thought, uh, I was at the Betfair Chase meeting last year, and I, it was registered a good to soft. But Haydock good to soft, he's other places heavy almost sometimes. Um, it's, I'd, I'd say it is more favourable for Bristol, but I do think Lost, in, uh, Lost has got uh, that extra gear to possibly go through it as well a bit better. Fair enough, mate. Clander's old ball. Is he a threat? Certainly. You, you can't say that a two-time King George winner uh, isn't uh, a threat in a race like this. He's won from two at the track, uh, fourth in the race in 2018, and he's gone well fresh in his earlier days uh, over hurdles, but Later on in his career, he sometimes just needed the run. We saw last year uh, in the champion chase at Down Royal that he probably just needed that racing. And it, it certainly um, probably set him right for the Kempton race. And you feel like this could be the same here. Um, there are, the main outcome of the season is to go and win the three King Georges, which is understandable. Um, but I wouldn't quite rule him out. I I think that Clan will be second and Bristol will be third. Ooh, that's a bold call. I, I mean, look, we've, we've got, you know, Bristol's won it 2017-2018, went down to loss in translation in this last season. I, I just don't see where the... where Bristol can turn the tables. Personally, myself, I thought that you know, lost in translations running the Gold Cup was almost another step forward as well after, you know, not being right at Kempton. You think he can win the Triple Crown, Jim? I do. And I, I, I think there are sillier things that have been said. I do. I look, we, we, we need to see more than Kempton. But again, you, you, you were speaking to Paul Taylor this week and... and you said they didn't think Kempton was the issue. He'd have been that bad anywhere. Yeah, and and, and Robbie said in multiple interviews that um, he just was never right. I think he said something on Sky Sports Racing uh, on a feature that uh, 
it didn't matter where he was running, he wouldn't have uh, shone very well that day. And I, I'm of the same opinion. I I don't have a slight query about Kempton at all. No problem, mate. I'm, I'm with you. I, I just think he wins. Is he backable at 11 to 8? If you can still get the 11 to 8 that's around, I, it's only one place going it and the rest are 11 to 10. Um, certainly, if you can get 11 to 8, that's a good price because I can see him going odds on. Fair enough, pal. I I don't. I aren't certain who I think will be the one to chase you on. I've probably signed in Crystal Demire, which means it's. It's a very boring, I think the market has them in the right order. To be fair, I can see Keeper Hill finishing ahead of Belzil for fourth and fifth, but that's that's nothing else. It's, it's a race to enjoy though, mate, and you know, we like seeing horses come up sequences in these. Obviously, Bristol Dubai got his, got his two, would have been three if not for Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation really could be doing three or four of these if yeah. he stays at the same level. It's a, it's a really, really good race to look forward to. Uh, I, I'm not going to ask us for a winner because I think we've summed it up uh, all as well as we can, really, just by running through it. But just a, a, a brilliant race, a, a fascinating one. And again, thanks a lot to Paul Taylor for uh, getting in touch with us and, and letting us run this competition. It's absolutely insane. And hopefully we'll come up with a decent name. The hashtag TT, name the filler. Uh, the 225, the bit, the main race on the undercard at Haydock is a Betfair exchange, stay as handicap hurdle, aka the fixed brush, aka you'd only took the fixed brush hurdles out though. Yeah, but everyone still calls it the fixed brush. Uh, best prize is 4 to 1 the jam man coming over from Ireland with another 90 pounds up his sleeve. Uh, Imperial Alcazar 5, 7's main fact, 7's relegate, 8's third wind, 12's Colune. And who dares wins fourteen to one. Bar them. I'll come to you first again, Ian Matt. Competitive handicap. Where are you leaning at this stage? Uh, first of all, I think there should be a process that we put the fixed brush hurdles back in because that was yeah, it was just some sort of unique spectacle, isn't it? Now it's just those bloody plastic rubber hurdles instead, isn't it? Um, God, it, it's it's a humdinger and. I've tended to follow Relegate too much and she's almost become a cliff horse now. And do you know what? She's, she is frustrating to follow because she gives herself plenty to do in races and, and stays on really, really well. I mean, the, the Pertemps final at Cheltenham was the, the obvious example when she was motoring towards the finish. Um, and, but it's really interesting. She's been sent over here by Colin, Colin Murphy, who, who is a shrewd, shrewd handler. And that puppy power gets the leg up, so you, you can't really take away from her. Neither can you with main fact, who is going to race with with, with Fergus Gillard's seven pound claim. He's ten pounds higher from, than his last win when he he romped up on you to over hurdles. Last win over hurdles that is because he's he's turned into Stradivarius two point on the flat, hasn't he? But um, if I was to go for a big one each way, and I don't know why, and it's a horse that's always had a bit of promise about him, and that's I.K. Brunel at 25 to 1 each way. Um, he has come up against some half-decent types already. He ran twice over fences this season, and really he should have won it on his first start at Fontwell when he was beaten a short head. And he was never going to be in Chamblou's league at Weatherby, who is going to be a serious horse this season over fences. 
And I think it's interesting that Murphy and the McNeil family are bringing him back down to hurdles because he has he has shown himself to be an out and out stayer in the in the past during his novice year as well. He he found two two and a half miles a bit sharp, but he still got within nine lengths of, of the big breakaway. And that's that's not that's not muggy form, is it? That is serious form given what the big breakaway shown last week at Cheltenham and at the Cheltenham Festival as well. And he, he's won over three miles at Musselburgh, which I know it goes the other way round, but similar dimensions to, to Haylock in the sense it's quite quite a tight course. So at 25 to 1, he makes a little bit more appeal, but I can't even believe I'm going to say this again. The first one I'll be back in is relegate. Cliffs everywhere. Cliffs everywhere. No, you know, I, I can see what you're saying, because every time, every time relegate runs, she looks like the sort of horse who is still ahead of the mark, but she needs to be ridden quietly and she makes life harder for herself yeah, than other horses do. She's declared to wear cheap pieces for the first time as well, so I don't know whether that will sharpen her up a bit and bring Irk out a little bit more improvement. But she's, she's two pounds below her mark she ran at Cheltenham, which was arguably getting towards a career best despite her winning the champion bumper. So I just, that is, again, that just sticks out in my mind. I can't believe I'm saying it because I'll end up going off great young with Cliffs around here soon if they keep backing her. <laughs> you know what, mate? I can see it. I can see it. She'll be going forward at the finish. Just, just as to whether she'll be quick enough. Jim, where are you leading at this stage, mate? I have two angles into this race. I have um, the fact that Horses aged five to seven have such a good record in this. And normally the market has this race correct. Nine of the last 12 winners have been in the top three in the betting and you have to be rated over 132. So if, if you look at the top three or four, for example, in the market, when I was analysing this race last night, um, third wind was the horse that caught my eye. I was given a conservative campaign last season, started off uh, over fences and quite clearly didn't enjoy that. Um, brought uh, him back over hurdles into a Potemps qualifier, which he won, uh, and then was kept quiet until March, uh, ran in the Potemps, ran well well enough, I thought, to finish fourth in front of Relegate, who Matt likes, um, and then this season was given the reappearance in another Potemps qualifier and plugged on well, will improve for the run, given a conservative enough ride. Uh, I think uh, John Joe O'Neill uh, is getting aboard third win this weekend. I think um, he's normally a jockey that excels um, from j- horses just be- just off the pace, just behind. I think he'll suit third wind a lot more. He fits into the the stats category for me. Um, but there's one at a big old price of 50 to 1 that I feel like you can't rule out of this. Um the Aintree Handicap Hurdle has a good uh, record in this race. Uh, winners of this previous race that have run in that, that Aintree Handicap, Baradari, Cruzlin in Paisley Park and Stony Mountain in the last uh, 10 years. And uh, it, this year that race was won by, you know what I mean, Harry, who's not in this race, but the only horse to run in that race who was fifth was Flashjack. And he... Um, Ran a fair enough race to say that he normally doesn't go well uh, fresh at all. Um, so it was a better run than normal. Um, he was beaten 
10-11 length in the end. Um, but he has got decent form at Haydock. He's had three three runs, one win, one placed and one unplaced. Um, he's been dropped £2 for that uh, fifth in the Aintree handicap. Um, the trainer had the winner last year. And I feel like um, 50 to 1 could be a bit of an insult in price. I know he's a 10-year-old and he might possibly not be on the upgrade as much as the others in this. Um, you have to respect Imperial Alcazar, who's on the upgrade. But I think Flashjack um, is a fairly sort of standing dish. You know what you're going to get from him. The handicap has been slightly lenient, I think, by dropping him too. Um, and I think that 50 to 1 could be a big old price each way if they're paying six or seven places. Oh, mate, I always like it when you put a 50 to 1 shot up. I like it even more when you put a 50 to 1 shot up. That isn't absolutely mental. And they've done well there. Yeah, the trainer angle is good. You know, coming out of a race that went well. C and D winner last season. I like it, mate. I like it. I have two in this I quite enjoy. Third wind is one of them. You've been through his case. Progressive last season. Fourth in the attempts. I... I don't think he's badly handicapped to form four one. Just on basic rate in terms, I think I think he's, he should be involved. And at a bigger price, his first run in a handicap since 2017, Holstone. Do you know what? I was looking at him as well, thinking he can't, can he? Well, can he? Because his, his recent form is still half decent. You know, we've, we've seen the. The trends recently that, you know, Kevin Blake's done a lot of talking about, about, you know, this sort of upper middle band has been compressed in that the horses kind of, the number of horses rated 140 plus is much higher than they were 20 years ago, but the, the, the number of horses at the top of the tree, you know, 155 plus is staying the same. And, you know, we've seen multiple times horses of, you know, top weights fare really well in big handicaps over recent years, I guess, Recent example I can think of most is uh, Aramon in the Galway hurdle. Ballyande got done by the plottiest of plot jobs in the Great Wood. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ballyande was top plate. You know, Cheltenham Festival the year before last, you know, you're looking at William Henry, won that off top weight or near enough. It's not something that worries me anymore. In fact, I take it in pleasure because, you know, 149 for Holstone, Horse who has been competing. In graded company, you know, 2019, fifth in the stairs. Had a good season, novice chasing last year. All right, maybe a little bit flat at Weatherby, but he's been these two for that. He was he was off for a while as well, wasn't he? So you, you can forgive him for that Weatherby run because he, he's, he belted three out and obviously that just took the wind out of him. So he's entitled to come on plenty for that. Yeah, and, and, and look, I think he's... The best talks in this race, we know over three miles, obviously Kalashny comes in here, which is a fascinating shout from M. Murphy. I always felt he'd make a three miler. Interesting that we're going back to hurdles with him. But for the horse, we've, we've clearly the best form, and the best form by stones, well, at least a stone, over hurdles at his best. You know, the fact that he's got to give nine away to west of the bridge doesn't seem unreasonable. He's 22 to 1, and he's better than these. Yeah, fair enough. This podcast was mostly based around Holstone at one stage. The Holstone theory. The Holstone theory still exists, Jim. It still does. If you if you want to be winning the sales hurdle, you have to beat Holstone for us to take you seriously. 
Uh, he's my selection alongside Third Wind. I might have a, I might have a big price to each way swing and uh, Third Wind towards the top of the market. You're like Third Wind as well, Jimmy Flashjack. Yeah, but we also best give a mention to Imperial Alcazar. He's the the flashy prospect in this um, unexposed hurdler. Four, four hurdle starts and three of them are wins. Um, only got beat uh, when getting nabbed late on by Prince KF at Newcastle. Um, his mark of 140 could be lenient. Uh, the strike rate of the stable has dropped in, in recent months. It was better uh, 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 early on in the season, but the stable's still going OK, still popping the, the winner left, right and centre. Um, five to one could be an absolute steal, um, but I'm sort of, I'd sort of rather watch him win than be backing him at fives. It could either be a, 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 horrend, a horrendous price or a good price. He also finished in front, didn't he, of Protector at, at Cheltenham, where he was, he was demoted to second. And obviously, Protector at doesn't look to be a bad thing over fences either. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked from this race if a graded performer comes up at all, a one that's going to win a grade three, maybe grade two, possibly not stairs hurdle. But there's a bit of quality to this race, and it's absolutely fantastic. We're putting up dirty each way prices at ridiculous odds as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then you took in the jam man. Who knows what happened with him? Is he ahead of his mark? What's he going to do? Um, he made a mockery of the handicapper in the Troy Town. Um, so over over fences. So who knows what he's going to? Maxine O'Sullivan uh, is coming over to ride him. Fascinating, fascinating race. Lots of angles to look at, and I, there's loads of horses. I certainly couldn't rule you off. Um, but my main two will be Third Wind and Flashjack. Yeah, like I said, some proper proper big names won this down the years. Even being beaten in it. You know, obviously Paisley Park two years ago, you go back to the early 2010s, Jeffrey Shombatan, Dinast, you know, Grand Crew, Diamond Harry, Halcon Genelade, and the horses getting beaten it, you know, proper group, you know, graded performers, My Way to Souls and beaten in it, Burton Port, Synchronised was placed, Hollywell, you know, some really, really decent horses, definitely Red finished second in 2015. It's, it's a race with a ridiculously strong role of honour. Uh, hopefully there are more good ones coming out of it this year. I've not mentioned Sam as well. Sam Spinner took it in 2017. What a boy he is. Uh, also at Haydock on the Saturday, we've got the back and lay on Betfair Exchange graduation chase. I'm not sure I have a updated market. Uh, we are recording this very, very close to deck time. Uh, but there are the six of them. Dashel Drasher, Dayran Dekajak, Good Boy Bobby, Master Tommy Tucker, Comanche Red and Ravenhill Road. Uh, before the market will be reformed, Dashel Drasher was forced. Good Boy Bobby, sixes, Comanche Red, tens, Dayran Dekajak and, uh, and Ravenhill Road, both 16s. Master Tommy Tucker, the 11-4 favourite at that stage. So, we assume we knock a couple of points off there everywhere. Master Tommy Tucker... Assuming he goes off favourite, Jim, does he win? Um, I think he'll go very close. Um, as people know, he's a horse that I have a lot of time for. Um, possibly, I was slightly disappointed with his reappearance in that intermediate chase, but he was beat by Al Dancer, who's no mug at all. Um, had a nice schooling session round Huntington in an intermediate chase, beat Precious Cargo 
comfortably. I don't think he was right that day. He, just, he was never really with him. Um, he did jump left-handed quite a bit, uh, which for a horse that's had many jumping problems in, in recent years um, is a slight worry that he started to jump left-handed. Um, going back round into a left-handed track um, might suit him a lot more and uh, Sam Twiston Davis has a 100% record on him winning on his first ever start over hurdles um, he gets aboard for the first time since then so it'll be interesting to see if he can work some magic How impressed were you then at Hunted I guess it was it was as a very very strange affair because two horses were being a bit sketchy in the past precious cargo very very stuffy did we learn anything at all? No, not really. Um, apart from Master Tommy Sucker jumps out to his left. That's all I learned. Yeah, he, he's a he's a horse I like. Though. I think he's got a hell of a lot of ability. I'm not sure whether I'd be wanting to back him at a short price here, though, Matt. What's your angle into this race? Um, I bet... Looking at this, Master Tommy Tucker would want the Haydock fences as soft as they usually were until they were stiffened up because he'd be able to plough through them without ending <laughs> up on the deck. Um, yeah, you can't really read much into his last run. In fact, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, Jim, but I thought his run at New, uh, Newton Abbott was, was pretty good. And our dance has enhanced the form since because he was, he was staying on like a train in the Paddy Power. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, our dancer, turns into a three-miler as well. But it's that that niggling, the jumping is what I'm so concerned about in Master Tommy Tucker that he, he will throw a, a real howler in there or or look very uncomfortable and get a few fences. Um, alternatively, the two that stick out for me, and I'm, I'm still quite stuck stuck between them both, is Good Boy Bobby and Comanche Red. Um, there was excuses for Comanche Red at, at, at Ascot last time. He was He was never travelling that day. And um, he has he has some very very good form in the book because that that Boxing Day win at Kempton was an, a visually impressive performance and of course he, he he beat simply the vets and on on the slopes who are obviously no mugs in in hand in good good handicaps these days so he he does have a bit of ability there and so too does Good Boy Bobby who was mixing it with some of the the best novice chasers last season in in Itchy Feet and, and Mr Fisher obviously. And, and brewing up a storm. Obviously, those three haven't gone on since. And he did beat Ravenhill Road easily at Weatherby last season. So there's there's a form line there as well. I think on the day it will come to who's who's probably the bigger prize and who's more. It's difficult to go in on who's been pulled up on its previous start. So good boy Bobby makes makes a, a, a fair bit of appeal to me. But obviously the class horse in the race is Master Tommy Tucker. And it would be good to see him win because he, he's not getting any younger, but he's got no, very few miles of miles on the clock. So it almost—I don't know—to you guys, it does feel a bit of a make-or-break season for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, uh, Matt, completely. Um, I've just seen a reform market for this race. They're offering Tommy Tucker twos, Dashwell Drasher seventy-two, Goodbye Bobby, and Comanche Red both in at fours. Dear Under Carjack at 17-2 to two and Ravenhill Road at 11. So, Matt, you're going to have to wait till the day to sort of split them two. <laughs> That's gonna, it's going to be literally a, a minute before, and isn't it? Who's, who's, who's gone to 9-2, to who's 4s, and, and just flip a coin. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete the top four, Jim, because I like Dashwell Drasher in this. 
Racing one Willow's of, horse to follow. Yeah, one of the turf top 12 for Racing Willow. Not seen him since last December when he beat Champagne Mystery Fiddles and another horse I like him, what more? Uh, round this track. Form prior to that was decent, finished second behind, behind Champ on his chasing debut, which was a final. Didn't get far the next time out when, uh, when he unseated at the first in the race, Champ at the Hennessy meeting. I just feel like there's a lot of, you know, upside to this horse. Still likely race, he was massively progressive as a novice hurdler. Uh, second half of 2018-19. Almost every, every run he's done has really been a step forward in the past, you know, 18 months. If he's fit and ready to go first time out, I think he could be the one to take advantage of any Master Tommy Tucker uh, issues. Don't get me wrong, I think Master Tommy Tucker's the best horse in this race. But, you know, this capable opposition against him here, and... I'm just not 100% sure how much uh, he'll be allowed to get away with any mistakes he might make. He's only the most upside. I still can't believe he's nine. He'll be eligible for veterans chasers in six weeks. <laughs> Easy work for him. He'll absolutely bully then. Well, yeah, because he's, he's the only one who won't have been running, you know, for the past six years. I feel, I feel like two minutes, Tommy Tucker. See uh, match cases for good boy Bobby. I ain't as keen on Comanche Red. I, I, I think the one bit of Kempton form at Christmas is a massive, uh, not a massive outlier, because it's not like he's ran £20 better there than he has anywhere else. But I think, you know, the fact he's gone off really well supported for the last two races is based pretty much solely on that. And I don't think he's matched that really anywhere else in his career. Uh not sure whether he looks better there than he actually is. Ravenel Rhodes, Malone Rhodes' brother. That's just a fact rather than any analysis. They're both uh, <laughs> Yeah. And uh, there on the an interesting one. I'd like to see him in the Paddy Power. Uh, that didn't happen. Again, is is a sort of horse who I, I kind of look at. I think he'll do well in in big field handicaps. And he was well down the field in the plate last season. Back in back into small companies, another one who ran well at Newbury uh, behind Champ in the race at Dashwood Drasher unseated him. Actually, he looked like a big threat to Champ that day, and wasn't a mile off midnight shadow in the Dipper. I don't think one four five's a poor mark for him, but this isn't a handicap, which means he might be a little bit vulnerable to horses. Who are just generally better than him. Uh, I'll go with Dash or Drasher. Jim, you sticking with the Tommy Tucker? Always. Forever Tommy Tucker. Uh, have you got to stay on the fence, Matt? Um, yes, but I'm leaning more than probably like 65, 65, 35 towards good boy Bobby at this stage. So it, it, the race itself, you, you look on paper at some of the horses and you might think, mm, this is average. But then you look at their form and you think, there could be there's they're really nice performers these lot and it's it's exactly what the graduation chases should be for rather than some high quality individual just hosing up. This is it's a really good really good really trappy contest. Yeah, there's very very little between them all. In fact, if I have a look at Owas between them all, Barry Ravenhill Road who's on one three three, the rest are rated within three pounds of each other. 
Very, very tight race. Looking forward to it. Uh, also on the Saturday card at Haydock, the list of Newton Novices Hurdle has Flick O'Voyou going there looking for his fourth win of the season uh, for the Nichols team. He's still with Nichols, is he? Good. Jesus, I saw, I saw Harry were on board, Harry Skelton, I thought, oh, he's not, he's not switched to Dan, has he? And I've not noticed. <laughs> Do you, John, also in that? Yeah, he's a horse you like, isn't he, Jim? Yeah, uh, I was really impressed with how he won the novice third letter, beating Chad Zandu since come out and won. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential for Michael Scudamore. Chucking Severance, who was impressive at Carlisle the other week. Um, the question mark with that form, but uh, for a first time over hurdles, he absolutely routed them. And Landin, Landinable Lad um, has got good bits and pieces of form um, from uh, early on in his career in, in national flat races and opened his account over hurdles at Bangor last time. So that's an interesting race, um, but it'll be a sit and enjoy one for me. Yeah, uh, the stay and chase is a uh, Betfair support scam, safer gambling week, handicap chase. Uh, that's at 12.40. The 12.40 at Haydock is a Betfair support, safer gambling week, handicap chase, over three miles and a furlong. That's a tiny little affair. Good to see our mate Adam Wood get involved with safer gambling week as well. Really, really important uh, thing to raise awareness for. Tidy, tidy race, new tide, top weight there. Bob Marler, obviously, Edinburgh national winner last season. Uh, so Xavier, who was entered in the national for David Maxwell, he's uh, got Billy Garrity on board. Interesting race. I quite like Snow Leopard Des, who I think has made a really decent start to a novice chasing career. Chased home, the butcher said on the debut, doing the best work at the finish, and then again uh, went behind Shamblu second time out. She's quite a nice man. You're a general fan of Disha Abra as well, aren't you? Moving this. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I, I like Snow Leopardess as well. I think her form's been really good last year. But Dee's Abba, um in this, I think, is going the right way. I thought he had the, the sneaky little profile uh, that you need in the Kim Mule. Not had many starts uh, over fences last season. Um, but he was getting the habit of it late on. Uh, and I, I thought that he was a bit of a plot job for the race. But sadly, that didn't work out as well as I thought. Uh, but he's a horse I've got a lot of time for. Um, and I think he'll probably be there or thereabouts as well. Uh, the handicap has certainly not missed him, but he has been on a bit of a roll. Jim, do you have prices anywhere for the 150? Um, I can have a look. We... I do not. No, well, we won't go into on that then. Seventy-one handicaps are quite hard to analyse her. Without a price angle to them. But that's a really, really good race. I'm a bit disappointed we, we don't have the time to run through that. Forest B had Kid Commando. Flash of Steel at the top of the bit in there. Lots of really interesting ones. Shake them up, Harry. Off a mark of 133. Might be where I start that race. Uh, second season, Novice Hurdler. We've also got the, uh, the, uh, the Stairs Handicap Chase over th- three and a half miles. At 335, Kings Monarchs fab for that. The fun, the fun angle that is Don Paul is 8 to 1. Uh, quite prominent in the betting to win that for the Scouts. Ran well at 8 on his reappearance as well. Some proper lovely old bolts in there. Perfect candidate still knocking out Bally Dine. Uh, anything else that hate up from you, Matt? Uh, just touching back on the 1210 again and, and, and 
Jimbo referred to do your job. I spoke to Michael Scudamore after his win at Foss last two starts ago, and he did say he thinks this is this is the best novice hurdler he's ever had, which is no mean feat because he did cost a fair bomb as well for a Scudamore horse at 150,000 from the sales, and he was foot perfect at every flyer air. He's he's a big horse. He's very strapping and will do incredibly well over fences as a lot of the fame and glories do. So I I'd be with I'm I love him. I really do think he's going to be a top class horse in the future. And obviously the the Michael Scudamore yard are in are in, in really good form at the minute based off last weekend. And it's it's nice to see him with this sort of unexposed could be high quality prospect. Yeah, form boosted as well already this week with Kadzand who uh, he did at air, going and winning at Warwick earlier this week. Uh, good form boost there. We'll, we'll go to Ascot. Uh, they're not very unfortunately. As for that said, we'll, we'll start with the Chanel Farmer 1965 chase. Uh, field of four, classy field, though, and quite a competitive one. 15 to 8 Imperial Aura, two's real steel. 7-2 itchy feet and 4-1 to one black cotton. For a 4-1 race, Matt, this is quite interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, historically, this doesn't attract many runners at all, does it, either? So you don't, not really phased by this race, specifically not getting the amount of runners. Um, Imperial Aura, Aura, absolutely fantastic in the in the Colin Parker at, at Carlisle last time out, of course. It's a race that has uh, propelled certain superstars onto, onto bigger <laughs> and better things. Um, he looked absolutely fantastic at Carlisle, and it's, that's a deep field as well that he's, he's beat. Um, but I can't get away from Real Steel, really. I mean, we've seen Nichols, the horses Nichols has inherited from um, Willie Mullins with the Jared O'Sullivan own, own, ownership have, have raced really, really well so far, and he tends to excel when th- fresh. He won the, is it, what's it called now? Is it the Sky Mass or the second season Grade 2 at down Royal last season by 14 lengths and that was one of his best performances last last season and again he won the Kinlock Bray at third when slightly more fresh and he is the the one who is the real quality product enough in the race given his gold cup run as well and going back right handed is going to see him to his best light and it's been really interesting that Nichols has talked about him being a King George horse as well which is he 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 would be no mug in that contest either. So I'd be I'd be going with him. Itchy feet, really disappointing. I thought Ainger actually um, didn't jump well enough at all. Needs to improve that. And black court on his black court. And... <laughs> I'm not hundred percent sure where I'm leaning at this stage, Jim. What about you? I'd be of the same opinion uh, of Matt. Um, you mentioned, Matt, that Nichols is thinking about going for the King George with Real Steel. Chuck into the horses that he could be running in that race. They could be Surname, Clan Desorbo, Real Steel. Um, Master Tommy Tucker, you could even pitch into that equation, couldn't you? He, he ran very well uh, in that, th- in the, was it the Corto Star last season where he fell? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, he, he could have a right. He could bring about five or six into the race. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they do with Real Steel. I think this is probably his best chance of winning uh, a race like this. Um, he, I, I think he's a solid grade two horse, but I'm not 100% sure uh, that he's a top grade one anymore yet. I think he's, he's six in the Gold Cup, slightly fl- flattered uh, him a bit. Um, 
he looked like he was absolutely cantering for Ryan Hughes on the outside um, and then just weakened, which we, we were all expecting. Um, back down in trip, I think, is fair enough. And I think 2 to one's a fair enough price about him. Um, Harry Cobden's quite clearly must think a bit of him because he could have gone to hear Dr. Eichlon. I'm, 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 I know um, Matt mentioned that they're probably keeping the relationship up with Clan and Sam. Um, but I, I think that Harry Cobden must quite fancy real steals because he could have gone to ride Master Tommy Tucker as well at Haydock. I think I'm, I'm going to be with real steel here. Just at the prices. Imperial already is a sexy one coming up. You know, and look, it's, it's hot, you know, it's an eighth of a point between them at the minute. So they're practically giant fouls. But Real Steel has achieved more and was informed last time we saw him. And therefore, only having to give two pounds away. We get drawn in, don't we, as, as racing fans to, to sexier profiles and sometimes it can sting us. They're the same age, you know, not much between them really in terms of physicality. Real Steel looked like I, I don't think he was flattered by the way the Gold Cup ran him. I thought he showed a, I think he showed a lot. I think the way the Gold Cup was ran suited him because it allowed a lot of horses who weren't the strongest stayers to still be involved for a long period of time. But what he showed was that he had, he had the pace you know, to quicken himself into a position to try and win the Gold Cup. And that's when the stamina you know, wasn't there, which is always a big doubt about him. You know, Mona Lee was going forward at the finish in the Gold Cup last season. You know, he wants today at furthest against uh, presenting Percy and Kenboy. That's a cracking little midweek contest. Uh, I can see why why they think the King George would suit this horse. But if he's going to win a King George, he has to be winning this on. He has to be winning this first. I like Imperial Aura. I don't think he's done a thing wrong. But at, you know, at near enough joint favourites, I'd be inclined to go with the horse who has the best proven form rather than the one who probably needs to improve by six or seven more to beat him. And look, Imperial Aura can improve by six or seven more. He's that scope there. But I don't think I don't think Real Steel's downgrading or completely at the end of his tether at all. So he's, he's a solid benchmark uh, for them to improve fast. Itchy feet, fine enough in the old role. Backed it down into a small field. You know, he, he won the Silly Isles with, with seven runners in it last season. That might suit him a little bit more. He probably needs a bit of improvement. I'd rather be with Black Horton than Itchy Feet, if I'm honest. He, he, ran a, he had a fine season again last year without getting anything in front. You know, ran well when second to Mr Malarkey in the race that used to be the racing Post-chase, now it's the Betway chase, is it, at Kempton? Uh, fine reappearance in the Dexo Gold Cup. Might be slightly on the sharp side for him nowadays, two and a half miles. You know, all his, every single time last year he ran over three. But he has winning form over two and a half, you know, early in his career, or at least good form at that trip. Second in the Sylvania Conti earlier in the... Uh, sorry, the season before last. But Cotton is so consistent, and I think people tend to forget how good he actually is. Uh, I wouldn't rule him out of winning this even down in trip. 
he's but, a face angle, isn't he, in this? Because um, Real Steel and uh, Itchy Feet, we've both seen him at, at, in the best light um, held up. And in this four-runner race, it could get a bit tactical. Black Horton could steal a bit here. Potentially. Potentially. Real Steel for me, though, mate. Real Steel for me as well? Real Steel for me as well. Um, just thinking about the uh, bloody future, and we all want to think it's 2021 now because it's a bit nice, nice, to, nice to thought. Real Steel's an absolute shoo-in for the Sylvanyarko Conti chase at Kempton, isn't he? Yeah. He is, and I'm glad you've brought that up, mate. Because of the small fields at uh, you know at Ascot this week, and that that we've seen, and I've seen a lot of people you know, complaining. I mate Paul Garland put on, but you know, national racing can't be lasting for too much longer if we're all getting you know single figure fields for for races like this. You know, over ten runners is a big race for the jumps. There are too many graded races. Without a shadow of a doubt, I, I, I can think of, you know, the Sylvania Conti didn't exist when I, when I was growing up. I think in the Celebration Chase, upgraded from a grade two to a grade one. Uh, in Ireland, the Green Mount, which is now the, the Ace Novice Hurdle in January is a grade one now. The Oxy Chase is a new race. How, how can, how can we keep adding graded races in whilst the population of graded horses out there, what it's either doing is it's giving graded wins to horses who aren't good, who generally traditionally wouldn't be good enough, or avoiding, or a lot, you know, giving more options for the good horses to avoid each other. And I know the, these races have been around for a while enough now, but it is symptomatic, really, of of making the sport an uncompetitive product. If everyone gets a gold medal, we don't actually know who the best is. Yeah, I feel like we could probably be a bit more beneficiary with graded handicaps. Um, I know that sometimes people aren't as much as a fan of them, but I think that's probably where the only other place you could put a, grade, a graded race but make it into a handicap. Entirely, mate. Like, look, the Fishery Lane at Nace. There was, on, yeah, uh, there, was yeah. no need, there was no need to upgrade both of them races at Nace. Not at all. The Fishery Lane at Nace on Saturday is a grade two. Top rated is rated one three six. It's it's it is shite. I looked it's, it this morning and thought that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. It is awful. It is genuinely awful. And look, there are a couple of nice, you know, nice four year olds from representing from big yards, you know. Gordon Elliott's got Call Me Lyrene, who's won at Tremor and Sligo this season, unbeaten. Garen Ware, horse for Willie Mullins coming over from France. But really, it's a, it's a grade two full of once race maiden winners, or twice race maiden winners, and horses who were exposed as being the third tier of juvenile hurdlers last season, and one of them's going to win a grade two. Never do nothing than Wolf Prince. You know, it's abysmal. And, you know, I, I know lots of people talk about, you know, there being too much racing affecting field sizes, affecting the leather. You know, it, it's the reason why People aren't wanting for it, for that to, for us to reduce officialists because it, you know, directly affects the funding of racing. The levy's not affected by whether races are graded or not, is it? So why do we keep putting them? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, it makes no sense to me. It makes it a weaker product. The, the, it makes a poorer racing. It makes the horses avoiding each other. And it makes for us have nothing to talk about on this. 
Uh, speaking of races, we can't wait to watch the Coral Hurdle, the Ascot Hurdle is a great two. It's uh, Matt, you spoke to Gary Moore earlier in the week. Uh, why ain't got you here? So I spoke, I, I spoke to him yesterday for the post and, and did, the, did the story on that Goshen was going to this, but he did stress, and I think people might have missed this out a bit on Twitter, and it, it was in the article. Of course, the main thing you're going to say is Goshen is going there, because he said that, but he said he must pass his scope test this morning. Obviously, if people don't particularly know just yeah, I'm just having a double check to make, see if there's any of the news out, but my theory is that he might have not scoped as well as hoped. Um... It, it, from from what Gary said, Diego, yeah, it, it was an unsatisfactory scope, so he, fa- he failed his scope test. Gary Moore was incredibly keen to run him and has been over hurdles for some time. He was going to go for the elite hurdle at Wincanton, but the ground was too fast, and they need to get him out here now. So it, it is obviously disappointing to, to not see him race him, but obviously the horse's welfare comes first. The next thing for, for the Moore team now is their nightmare goes even further, because where do you go next? Because... You don't you don't particularly want to clash with Epiton next week on your first all roads Cheltenham nowadays in the jump sphere. So you could say that the international hurdle looks tailor made for him in the future. It is disappointing we've got we've got three runners in, in here for a race that's worth twenty two grand, which is moderate enough for the current standards, but in real life a grade two worth twenty two grand is, is is shocking. So it's interesting, yeah. I, I don't get all this. A lot of them, have been, a lot, few people on Twitter have been saying about, oh, it's just excuses coming out, etc., etc. Gary Moore genuinely, he did want to run Goshen in in this because he needs to get him out sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I feel you can't slate a trainer for their horse being injured. Not you at know, all. Or not, or, at or all. not right. Or not right. You know, it's it's, it's even worse than if. You know, what would, what would have been worse if Goshen runs on Saturday and then Gary goes, oh, uh, oh yeah, well, we knew he wasn't quite right, and then everyone's done the bollocks on him. Yeah. You know, pitch, pitchforks. It, it is that, and it's, it's not nice to see. And to be honest with you, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm in the camp of, I don't particularly care what he does this season because we know how tough it is for the juvenile hurdlers to come into their second season hurdling. And if you look on the form of the Triumph hurdles in the past... You, you might not think, yes, it's probably not the best hurling form, but it's, it's throwing up some bloody good horses in time, isn't it? Grand National winner, Tiger Roll, dual Grand National winner. Apple's Jade didn't have the best. Well, she, she had a she had a she had a good five year old season, but she got even better. The Deffy as well, foot pad, etc. So it's almost like don't think whatever he does this season that he's gone at the game. I know it's almost a tradition to do that with Triumph Hurdle winners and horses that run really well in it. Like some do, Peace and Co, Pentland Hills, Fusel Raffles, even though he, he, he has won since. So it's like, look, give him a, give him a break, really, you know. It, he, he, he could still be a really, really good horse in time. Yeah, exactly, you know. I mean, Deffy's, Deffy's another one who, who went off the boil as a five year old, back on it at six. Obviously, things have, things kind of haven't gone to plan for him the last two starts. And even then, people, you know, people calling for, you know, stuff <laughs> to be pulled with Defe. Yeah. He's seven. He's seven. Come on. Uh, who do we think wins it then, Matt? God. I mean, you've, you've only got three darts to play, and usually in these scenarios, I'd just go for the outside of the trio. Song for someone's form does look, does look 
all right to, to a level that the Kingwell he won isn't isn't the, the most vintage renewals of the Kingwell hurdle he, 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 that's ever been tested. So I'd be more five to two. I've got five to two here, best odds with Call Me Lord. Yes, he's given way way to Lorena, but Call Me Lord's a, a very useful and typically reliable yardstick who who does come on for his first run of the season. Uh, was it was it last year? Last year, yeah, he was he was only beaten half a length in it in this race by if the cap fits. So he's he's shown he's he's all right with this track and obviously on on form. I know it's kind of been blown out of the water now, but right handed suits him to the ground, and I think he's probably probably ready for the ready to be back up in trip rather than contesting the the two mile race that he did last season. He's just a he's a useful yardstick, and you, you know what you're going to get with Call Me Lord. And that's typically usually a, a very good race. Lorena's obviously the most interesting one in the field, but last season just a pan completed, isn't it? And I, I don't like it when a horse bleeds consistently either, because a lot has to be done to get them to come back to their best from that. If there's a man that can do it, it's Paul Nichols, and she has had wind surgery, yes, but I'm still really put off by her form and and her jumping as well. It's it's not improved. From a novice days over over hurdles, it might have done over fences a little bit, but God, she she has. I I think she's got a mountain to climb, really. Yeah, I I wouldn't be with Rhea. I like some some for someone. I think he'll win this. I think he's a progressive one in the race. Like you said, Tommy Lord's a, a useful yardstick, and I'm going to completely contradict myself uh, with what I said about the Ascot chase. But I don't think as a yardstick he's. That is massively insurpassable from what Song for Someone was doing last season. You know, winning the Kingwell really is the form's as strong as Cormillon's international. And that was the highlight in, barring that, what was a fairly disappointing campaign post that, you know, couldn't beat uh, Kelvis down when odds on favourite in the contender's hurdle. Downfield and the champion over trip, which probably. Short for him nowadays, and a reasonable reappearance at Aintree. But I like the outside of the free year. I, I, I think he's the one going the right way. You know, second to Thomas Darby over C and D last season. I think he's got a chance. I won't be touching Lorena with a badge pole at this stage. What about you, Jim? I'm going to oppose both of you and take you on with Lorena. I, I think wind surgery will certainly help. She travelled like an absolute dream when we last saw her in that grade three where she was beat by Elfie. Um, if there's any man that can do it, it is Paul Nichols. I think she was probably in favour of the season shortening, and well, not continue after March uh, in the circumstances. Give her plenty of time off, plenty of time to recover, change stable. Uh, I, I feel like it could be an absolute steal six to five. Which is the best price I've got in front of me. I don't know what price you have, uh, Matt, but I, I think I think Laurinus should be winning this. Call me Lord's form in small runner races puts me off completely, and I don't think Song for someone's. Although he has bits and pieces of good form, I don't think he can consistently put them together. Jim has just called six or five of steel for a horse whose recent form is pulled up, pulled up, and stopped within a second. It could be, and I could look like an absolute mug, but I, I just feel. Like, she is the outstanding horse in this race. I know there's a pound between all three of them on official ratings, but I feel like at one stage in her career, I've never been Lauren as biggest fan, by the way. Um, I, I, I never quite sort of latched onto the hype. Um, 
even going into the champion Erdland, I completely didn't fancy her at all. Um, and I, I feel like uh, in this race, this is one to sort of just get her confidence back, build it back up, and I think she'll take all the beating. Fair enough then, mate. Decide who you like best out of the three of us and follow us in. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good that we've chosen all th- each of the runners from a three-runner race as well. Whereas in 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 the other ones, we've gone for everything same horse. We didn't script this at all. <laughs> but Lorena, yeah, no. if, if we're talking about winded races and, and too many graded races, this is going to be a a nice old prep run for that new mare's chase at, at Cheltenham, isn't it? <laughs> if I speak, I will be in trouble. Uh, the 3.17 in the final race we'll talk about in depth is the Hearst Park Handicap Chase at Ascot over the two miles Magic 8.11 to 4.5 to follow up from his Cheltenham win last weekend 5 to 1 first Flow 11 to 2 Cape under Moola Gold 6 is Abbey Magic 15 to 2 Drum Connor Lad 25 to 1 Marin Cudger and 33 to 1 the old legend that is Gino Trail Jim I'll come to you first it's tidy little affair yeah um, I just have to give a little mention to my Gino because I, I absolutely love him. Um, bold front running, two miler, what more could you like? Pretty face, pretty socks, nothing more. I, I hope he, because um, I know it'll be a fair task, a 13-year-old carrying 11 stone four against some progressive horses, but it'd be superb to see. Um, massive fan of that horse, and I always will be in... Um, Hopefully he'll do well. Uh, Magic Saint, we saw uh, beating Fanny Industrial last weekend uh, at the Paddy Power meeting. I thought he did that really well. Um, happy that they've kept him at two miles. This was what we talked about on the review show, didn't we, Lou? Um, that he's been campaigned over two four, two five, two. I think he's a two mile is perfect for him. He can stay a bit further, um, but two miles he's right up his street. Brian Carver back on board. I, I think that um, he should he should be there or thereabouts. Market's got him about right. First floor's a horse. I think we've all got a bit of time for ultra consistent uh, in most of his races. Seventeen wins out of his fifteen starts. Um, he likes small runner uh, small runner races. Um, we saw him go chasing last season, and he, he got a nice uh, roll going and. Uh, I think I'd probably be slightly against him in this, but I think he, there's races to be won with him. Uh, and of the others, I think I, I like the chances of a Moolah Gold. I was impressed with how he stuck on towards the end to beat Iblio last time. I thought Iblio would have took a fair bit of catching, um, but stayed on really strongly in the end. Um, over two mile one, slightly shorter, all a bit, 100 yards shorter this time. Um, Bridget Andrews got on with him really well last time. Um, and I think that, that form might stand up to be stronger uh, in time. And I think he's probably where I'd be landing at this moment in time. Capeland, we all know the, the, the capability of him. Uh, possibly... You would have liked to have seen more before he fell last time. He was never jumping really well at all uh, in the race that Amula Gold won. Uh, however, his sights were set a bit higher towards the end of last season. This is probably more capable 
pardon the pun. Um, and eleven to two is a is a fair enough price, but I'd probably just edge with the Moolah Gold. Interesting, pal. Going for one of the most progressive horses in the field. What about you, Matt? Um, I'm going to go with more and more exposed one, but it's still showing signs of, of having some progression in Drum, Con- Drum Connor Lad. Uh, you can completely forget the hurdles run he, he did in October. He's he's a significantly better horse as a chaser, and he's 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 got plenty of experience when he was trained in Ireland over fences. Just seen he's clashed with Abby Magic before. Balioshin, the name escapes me. Even Ovenyar, um, he and any second now as well. He is a exposed handicapper and against some tough, hardy sort. But he was a very good winner last season of a really competitive handicap chase at Leopardstown um, before train the switching to Adrian Keatley's um, yard. And he did even he did really really well on one of the final days before the lockdown at Kempton to finish half length second in a, in a really competitive twenty run handicap chase um, at Kempton. And Kevin Brogan got a real tune out of him last time out at, at Towers. What I remember watching that one, I, was, I think I was reporting it, and it, it, it about as soon as you turned in the home straight, you could see he Brogan home in a perfect position, pulled him out, and he just he went, and it was it was never in doubt. And it's just, it's a good mention. I think it's a really needed to mention Kevin Brogan as well because he's in flying form at the minute. He's a real valuable asset for seven pound claim, and he's in here as well. So I'd be siding with Drum Connor Lad despite being ten to 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 win this. It's just a shame that such a, a race with a, with a fair bit of depth for eight runners is only getting fifteen and a half grand to the winner. I mean, I know I know it's the times, and I know they've said that. Um, Ascot have said that they'll they'll they're going to push it as a big handicap once more, like they were trying to do again. But still, fifteen grand for for this on ITV ITV is a bit deflating, really. Yeah, it's an issue that I guess goes goes much deeper than just you know our funding arrangements and sponsorships and courses and I guess racing on a global scale. You know, lots of British based owners and that want to have more runners in France now because they can pick a lot more up over there. It's I guess it's something we really are on the back foot with and it's not something that racing as a sport can just solve on its own. It needs cooperation from, from other areas and other industries really for, for us to get back on the front foot with it uh, regarding prize money. If, you know, if, if people are able to sponsor us, it's, you know, we, we don't have the money, but the way wide society is at the minute, it, it, is, it is a real struggle for us. Uh, I think Capeland wins this. Took it last year, and I'm just going to repeat the case I made for him pretty much uh, when he came down at the last Ascot meeting a couple of weeks ago. Look, looked like a graded level horse when he took this last season off 143. Was a little bit below that, though, after probably, ex, probably ex, uh, exposed not being quite up to that level. Dropped back to a mark that looks fair, though, now. To run him off 150 whilst Magic Saints off 159, I don't think there's that much disparity between the pair of them. You know what I mean? It's got to be a monster effort from Magic State if he can win this. Obviously, Brian Carver takes a three off, but it's, it's still a big mark for him to, to get the job done. And, and I do think Capeland isn't poorly rated. Likes a course, likes a track. Took this last year. I, 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 don't think, I don't think he lost form at all last season. He was just getting beat by better horses. This, this is more his grade. And I think he can go well. First low's very interesting as well. Good novice server a couple of seasons ago. Good novice chasing campaign last year, although 
he had nothing to beat at any stage, really, winning in small fields at Leicester, Donny. And Carlisle, he's fascinating first run in a big handicap. Uh, he needs it absolutely bottomless for Kim Bailey. But three different cases there. I'm going to go to Jim Drum Connellad for Matt. I'm going with Capeland. Uh, a brief run from the rest of the weekend cards. A popular square at Nace for Keir Udry takes on Notebook, Jingle and Cashback. That's a tidy enough little grade two there. One of my horses to follow uh, in the piece I wrote for What Are The Odds? Avis runs in the first half. Uh, the novices hurdle over 2-6. There's also a decent little uh, novice chase at Ascot. Young Bull Highland Hunter at the top there. That's a tidy enough little affair. Mare's handicap hurdle on the same card as well. Some familiar names in there. Good old same circus. He's still going for Donald McCain. Uh, and Jim, you spoke to uh, Paul Taylor about no hubs, no hoobs as well. He makes his debut in the Ascot bumper. Yeah, it, he's a really promising horse uh, for the stable and connections, and uh, he might not be a bumper winner on looks or anything, but uh, he's one to certainly keep in the notebooks for time. Right, time to sign off them with our RTR nap comp picks, and I'll come to you first, Matt. Uh, uh, a nap, a next best in a reserve, please, mate. Oh God, on the spot, on the spot. Um, my nap is going to be real steel. Next bets will be Call Me Lord and Reserve. Sod it. We'll throw in the 25 to 1 stinker each way of IK Brunel at Haydock. Yes, we, lo- we love a big price. Jim, for you, mate. Of course, there's only going to be one nap this weekend, uh, and it is lost in translation in the Betfair Chase. Um, my next best is going to be Real Steel at Ascot and my Reserve. We're going to chuck in the Tommy Tuck. Uh, for the double master graduation chase at Haydock. My nap is going to be Southfield Harvest. Uh, I have to stick with him as I put him up to a horse to follow in the 1220. At Ascot, next, next best. Ooh. You know what? I think it's lost. Ooh. This is the first time you've put lost in your uh, nap next best in reserve. The reserve's going to be song for someone in the uh, free runner race at Ascot. Tidy enough novice chase at uh, Nace as well. We've not mentioned as well. Commander of Fleet makes his chasing debut up against Cedarwood, Wo- Cedarwood Road. Longhouse poet. That's a very, very good little affair there. Please get involved with the uh, name the Philly competition. It'll be you've got to follow and tag us just so we know where all the tweets are and hashtag TT name the Philly. Uh, we'll put a little pic of a, a picture of the print and a picture of a page on Twitter. Get a couple of entries. It's a really good prize having you know having a horse run that you've named and you get a nice little signed print of Lost in Translation to come along with it. Thanks to Paul Taylor. Uh, for getting involved with us. It's an absolutely fantastic competition. You you very rarely get the opportunity like this at all in racing because names are something the owners feel really a real affection to and want to name themselves. It's, it's, it's an absolutely brilliant initiative and, and competition that you guys have got and, and for Paul as well. I mean, many thanks to him. That's, that's, that's absolutely marvellous. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's it's uh, Things got very, very strange this week. <laughs> 2020 uh, could not get much better now. <laughs> We're going to end it on a high. 
<laughs> Has it all been worth it, Jim, the last eight months? Eight, eight months of horror for one week so far of absolute bliss. It's fully worth it. I'd happily do 2020 again if this happened every year. Oh, classmate. Uh, yeah, get involved. Send your names in. Uh, and we'll get them shortlisted. Uh, thanks to everyone for uh, listening. Thanks to Rating the Races uh, for their support. Thanks to Matt for joining us as well. Uh, and well done, mate, for getting on at the Racing Post. It's a, such, a, such a good move there, mate. And, much, uh, much appreciated. Much appreciated. And we'll be back with a review show, hopefully, at some point next week. Uh, see you all in a bit. Bless up. See you soon. Stay safe. Take care. Stay safe.